it hurt, but at the same time, it gave me life. And I think that's the point. I think, I think that's the goal of the Beatitudes, to cut to the heart that God may break us, that He might heal us. Hi, and welcome to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Hey, you've joined us in the middle of a series we're calling The Life That God Blesses. We're digging deeply into the truths that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, a much-loved portion of Scripture called the Beatitudes. We said at the beginning, we're thankful that you're here. In fact, we are, Robbie, super thankful for our listeners, and we need them, don't we? Yeah, we do love the listeners here at Living the Light, and and we do need you in so many ways, too, just to allow us to continue to do this and be blessing uh, the many people that are listening. Here's one of the things that happened to me recently. I just want to share with you and and just um, gently but but also boldly challenge you, too, is to say, I've been listening to different aspects and programs and just God's teaching with them in, in my life, and, and just really convicted to move upon that and to give back to somewhere that God has used again to encourage me and bless me. And it's, it's amazing. Sometimes we can often, we can take and, and we can listen and we're so thankful, but we never really have done something about that. And maybe that's that's just you here today, right now. And just uh, the Lord is lovingly, uh, gently, but also um, very clearly saying, yeah, you know what? I've been listening for a while and I've been really blessed and, and uh, I want this ministry to continue and I want to be a part of that process. And that's you. Just God speaking to you right now about that today. And it's not because you have to, but even now because you want to, because you agree cheerfully to say, I'd love to support the things that God is doing in a way within this land that is just, it's just rare. And so I just want to extend that to you. I have no issues with doing this. I'm so comfortable doing it too, because I just believe in the power of God's truth going out in a world that needs it so much. And I think you're listening because you agree with that. So within a series like this too, that's so based on life transformation for the glory of Jesus Christ, maybe today's the day that you We'll just, you know, uh, take some time, phone us, uh, go online, write us and say, you know what? I want to support this ministry. I want to support it by praying for it. I want to support it by giving towards it as well. And we extend that to you here from our whole team at Live in the Light and love you and are thankful for you considering God's direction upon your life at this time. All right. And as Robbie said, if you would like to reach out to us, our website again is Live in the Light. That's L I G H T. Dot CA, or you can phone us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Hey, all that information will also be available to you at the end of the program. But for now, let's jump right away into God's Word, Matthew 5, verse 5. And the title of today's message is Blessed Are the Meek. Let's go now to Robbie with today's message. Welcome, everyone, to this service. 
And uh, if you would with me, can you take out the sermon insert that you were given in the bulletin? And I'm going to say this hardly ever in the history of this church, but can you please keep your Bibles closed for a second? All right. And we'll get to that in just a second. But at the top of the sermon insert, can you just write that in the numbers one and two? And uh, just, just real small at the top, just write down number one and then number two, all right? A little bit of a test time, okay? Um, and hopefully you're willing to partake in this on some level, because we're trying to memorize the Beatitudes, right? At least if you haven't been here in this church yet, and this is your first time, you are obviously exempt from this. But if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, man, we're taking this test up, all right? We're going to find out what God's doing this. So the first Beatitude occurs in Matthew chapter 5, verse... Three, that's good, that's good, that's right. Some people think verse one, it's verse three. And um, you can write down beside number one, the first beatitude, all right? So write that down, no cheating. If someone's cheating around you, you can healthily rebuke them, all right? So verse three, and so it's number one, write down the first beatitude. Here's a hint, begins with the word blessed, all right? I know I'm very kind, very kind and generous. There you go, write down. And beside number two, Matthew five, verse four, um, you can write down the second beatitude, just a way to find out if we're making progress together. The second beatitude, you write that one down as well. And so Matthew 5, verse 3 in the first beatitude. You guys almost done? You almost done doing that? All right. Some of you are doing that. Some of you are not doing it. No problem. Um, God is watching. All right. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, Matthew 5, verse 3. Uh, the first beatitude says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Good, good. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, beatitude number one. Good, good. Uh, beside that, you can put a check mark if you got it, and if not, a big X, all right? And then verse four, verse four, blessed are those who mourn, good, for they shall be comforted. Okay, excellent. That's the second beatitude. Again, just, just a, a silly, simple way to remind us, like, why not one verse a week? We can do that. One verse a week, memorizing this together. So write your name at the top of the, of the sheet there and then pass it forward, okay? No, no, of course, we're not gonna do stuff like that. But just to encourage you as to where we are. Now you can open your Bibles. Please, please do open your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. We'll be looking at one verse today. Uh, verse five, Matthew chapter five, verse five. I'm excited uh, to be with you today in this text, um, mainly because uh, this week this text wounded me, um, literally brought me to tears as I processed this for my own life. And so it, 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 it hurt, but at the same time, it gave me life. And I think that's the point. I think, I think that's the goal of the Beatitudes, to cut to the heart that God may break us, that he might heal us. Uh, that's what poor in spirit means. That's what it means to be mourned. And today, this is what it means to be blessed um, are the meek. It's, it's a hard thing, loved ones. Today, in some ways, it's a, it's a hard message. But if you're looking at it from the right viewpoint, you'll see it's such a good thing. And so just before we get to Matthew 5, verse 5, I, I want us to see the context of the Beatitudes within Matthew chapter five. And here's what we'll see if we look at the context. It's this, it's the, the life that God blesses will be the life that God uses. Now, a lot of people wanna to go to the life that God uses right away, but they fail to see that you first have to live a life that is blessed before you live a life that God has used. So notice what follows the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. And whenever you're reading the Bible, a great way to understand the meaning of the text that you are in is to get the context of that text. So find out what has come before this passage, find out what has come after this passage. And that's a great way to find out 
again, the meaning that you wanna have applied to your heart. So in this case, we know the sermon has begun by Jesus in Matthew 5, verse three, and we wanna know what follows because any strong sermon given is gonna have a logical sequence of thought that people know it's trying to go somewhere. And so this is what Jesus does. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. It's trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put under a basket. No, no, no. They put the light on a stand and it gives light to all the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So notice what's happening here. Three key phrases, salt of the earth, light of the world, glory to the Father, okay? Have you seen it yet? Are you getting it? Are you getting and picking up what I'm trying to put down here? We're seeing the result of the blessed life. The result of the blessed life is, is, is no greater fulfillment than giving God glory. See, a lot of people like Matthew 5, verse 16. A lot of people quote that verse. They have it as their life life verse in that regard, but here's what you need to understand. You don't get to Matthew 5 verse 16 without first going through Matthew 5 verses 3 to 12. There is no let your light shine before others without first living out the Beatitudes. In other words, the surest way to give glory to the Father is to truly live the blessed life. You can see it this way. This is what Jesus is saying. The Beatitudes are the root of our lives and giving glory to the Father or salt of the earth, the light of the world is the fruit that comes from the Beatitudes. You seeing that? You don't get the fruit unless the root is firmly planted. That's just a given for our lives. And so what Jesus is telling us as he begins the sermon, again, a lot of people want their life to be used from God, but you won't have your life used from God until you have God do something within you. You won't have God do great things from you until he first does something great within you. That's the point of the Beatitudes. If you notice the Beatitudes, week one, poor in spirit, mourning, today meek, uh, next week, hunger and thirst for righteousness, pure in heart, peacemakers, all of these are rooted in character. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. That's how the blessed life is truly known. The more you change within, the more you see God do without. There are no exceptions, loved ones. You're here right now. That's what you need to understand. Jesus Christ wants to transform you within because that's when you start to see the blessings from within and then from without as well. That is the happy life. That is the blessed life. No salt of the earth, no light of the world, no glory to the Father, apart from the Beatitudes is where it all begins. Character is what matters most. But here's, here's what I know to be true for sure right now. Character though is hard. It is tough work. Messages like this, they will not be the most popular messages because it's dealing with the very root of what needs to change within us, our sin. And so this message today is gonna come with some heat. It's gonna come with some, some pain as it did in my life this week, but that's how God does his best work. We must be broken again before we can be healed. So I'm just giving you a heads up, man. There's, there's some heaviness here. But if you can see it as Jesus sees it, you will see it's the valley that leads to the mountain ultimately. It's the wilderness that leads us to the place of Canaan. God wants to do a great work in us, but it's gonna take some work at that. 
So let's start then at Matthew chapter five, verse five. This is the path to true blessing, a tough one, but a beautiful one. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Here's the greatest question asked from this. What does it mean to be meek? And that's what we need to discover here. So this is why point number one is this. I need to know the meaning of meekness. I need to know biblically what meekness is. And this is a very important question to ask, what is meekness? Because in the Greek, the word for meek in Matthew 5, 5, it's impossible to translate in just one word of the English language. It takes several words from the English language to translate this Greek word uh, meaning meek. But this is where I get excited because we get to dive deep into the word of God. And a, a friend said to me this week, he says, we're not content just to rake leaves. We want to dig for gold. And that's what we're going to do right now. And interestingly, in James chapter one, it says this. In James chapter one, in reference to meekness, it says that you may receive with meekness the implanted word. That you might receive with meekness the implanted word, the, the word of God. So right away, what are we learning about meekness? We're learning that meekness comes with a teachable spirit. Meekness is the person who has a heart that is soft. Meekness comes from the person who will receive the teaching of God's word today and not be afraid of it, not be too proud to receive it, but will open up their heart and say, God, where does this supposed to fit me? Where does this supposed to cut me? Where is this supposed to change me? That's meekness. Meekness is being teachable. Those who are too proud to be taught and never want to get answers or correction, that's the opposite of meekness. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but let's go back here. As we learn, we're trying to have meekness with the implanted word. What is meekness? Four descriptions. Remember, this is the blessed life. So let's start here. Meekness is gentleness. Meekness is gentleness. And gentleness can be described or defined as soft or loving it can also be described as the opposite of harsh or rudeness. And gentleness, of course, being part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is the same word used in Matthew 5, 5 in referring to the meek. And so the fruit of the Spirit is, is, is as he works in us, we see a gentleness coming from us. We see a, a love and a compassion coming from our lives. That is the roots of, of meekness from our lives as well. And so see the context of what Jesus is saying as we seek to see this meekness in the form of gentleness. Within Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 and 5, in a closer context, notice poor in spirit, those who mourn, uh, blessed are the meek. Now, some could say, well, Jesus was just drawing these things out of a hat. No way, man. Au contraire, mon frere. All right, here we go. It's like, it's like poor in spirit. Jesus starts with that. When you are truly poor in spirit, you are someone then who mourns. Remember, if you're broken over your sin, truly being poor in spirit, then you mourn over the fact of the reality of your sin. When you're poor in spirit and you're mourning, this is what now leads to true meekness. Meekness cannot be found in our lives apart from brokenness and mourning and then meekness. So what does this mean? It means this, meekness follows brokenness. And you and I can't manufacture this meekness. We don't wake up in the morning and we just decide, I today am going to be meek. It must be a work of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is why this weekend in this message, and I'm just trying to be as honest as I can as I go, as I go through this message with our church whom I love so much. It's just a hard one. Because I can plead with you and I can plead with myself. It's not gonna happen unless God chooses to work it in us. And it seems like so few Christians really move too far down this path, but it can be done. 
And I'm praying earnestly that it would be done. I can't set my heights any lower than what God says he wants to do within us. And so what we're seeing here is God wants to bring meekness from us. So here's a way to kind of look at this. Can you think of a time when you've been devastated in your own sin? Can you think of a time where you've been humiliated in your own sin? And I hope the answer is yes. Like, like I'm hoping there's been times recently where you have seen the reality of your sin as opposed to Christ. And I hope there'll be times very soon where you and I will again will be in that place. Can you think of a time where you've been beautifully convicted in this sin? Now, it's amazing that some parts of the church in our day, these phrases are like banned. Don't say the word sin. Certainly not talk about people being devastated in sin. Don't talk about humiliation in sin. We want to make people feel good about their self-esteem and stuff. People who say that are not reading God's word. They are saying anti-biblical messages. Uh, John 16 speaks of the Holy Spirit and the reason he came. The reason the Holy Spirit came in John 16 was he came to convict the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. One of the foremost responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is to come and bring conviction. There is no conversion apart from conviction. If you are sensing conviction, in not condemnation, condemnation is of the enemy, that is guilt. Conviction is fantastic. Conviction is you don't sit there and feel God judging you, feel God loving you to a greater height of growth in him. If you are sensing conviction from your sin, that is beautiful. That is what results in the fruit of meekness then from our lives. This is what God wants to do within us, the power and the beauty of meekness. So think about it. If you've been in that place of devastation and sin, and if you surrender to that, now you can fight it. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of people do this. A lot of men do this, especially. I sense the conviction, but I'm tough. I'm strong. I don't want to deal with the reality of it. I'm running in the other way. But if you are humble and meek and you surrender to that conviction of sin, what happens? What happens? Often tears happen. And where there's tears, there's often tenderness. And when there's tenderness, there's a soft and pliable heart that is beautiful to look at to listen to. And when you're in that place of tears and tenderness, you're not thinking about the sin around you. You're just thinking about the sin here and you're thinking about the love and the grace of God that is upon you. See, this is why the hard heart is so frustrating and frankly, ugly. But this is why the meek heart is so beautiful. So think of that time when you have been in that place of tears and tenderness and then you saw the soft and pliable heart. That's what God wants to do. That is the power of where meekness is found. That is where you are gentle, Right? When you're in that place, you're broken, you are gentle and you are moving under the grace and being led by the Lord. But let's flip this around for a second. What's the opposite of gentleness? Because we want to know what are the areas I need to work on? Here's some questions to ask. If we took a survey from people who knew you best and asked to speak on your character, would they say one? Would they say that you're mean-spirited? Would they say that you have a mean streak to you? Would they say that you're a person who power overs people. See, a huge part of meekness is, is you are in the place to exercise control. You have that strength, but you refuse to domineer, dominate people unjustly. You're not going to abuse the control that you have. And it's not just an employer with an employee or some leader in a church somewhere. It can be happening on so many different levels. Are you a person though that abuses that power over your kids or over friendships? 
Um, Are you a person who has struggled with being harsh? Are you, would people say that you're rude? Just flat out rude. If so, this is not meekness. Uh, This will not be the blessed uh, life. Here's some practical ways to look at that. Um, How are you when you drive your car? How do you do when someone cuts you off in traffic? Is it like, is it like that? And is it like, if we heard the things that came out of your mouth in the car when you're by yourself, that you'd be devastated if we're all sitting with you? Is that the way it goes? Because then you got to look at this and say, what am I really like? Because in those situations, we find out what we are really like. Um, How do you deal with people? When things don't go the way you want them to go, when your child frustrates you, a situation at work with friends, when you get disappointed with your expectation, what you thought it should be like, how do you deal with that? Is it meek? Is it gentle? Or is it harsh? Is it unkind? How do you handle frustrations in life? These are all situations that again, really reveal what's happening or not happening within our lives. And God today is saying, blessed and happy are the meek. Now we're not, we're not, we're not saying we're perfect in this, of course, but we're saying we are growing in this. I'm not asking you to say, yeah, I've, I don't struggle with any of this ever. Of course you do, like I do as well. But the key is, are we recognizing the error and sin of our ways to see how God wants to take us to a greater place of blessing? Humility or meekness is gentleness. Meekness is gentleness. And secondly, meekness is humility. Meekness is humility. And of course, this makes total sense because this is the theme really of the Beatitudes. Some people come up to me and say, uh, Robbie, I'm really enjoying this series on humility. And I'm like, what? It's not on humility. It is on humility. It is. Poor in spirit, mourning, meek, pure in heart. That's all humility. The person who is truly meek um, sees himself with proper biblical perspective. So this means that meekness will never be arrogant meekness is repulsed by pride. I heard someone say recently that pride is God repellent. So if you want God to move away from you, get out your can of pride and spray yourself down, all right? And God will move away from you. That's what pride does. God opposes the proud. And meekness knows that. So meekness is repulsed by pride. Meekness is pursuing humility. And here's one of the most powerful aspects of meekness. It's how do I really view myself in relation to how I view my God? And here's where it gets convicting. The person who is truly meek is not proud of himself or herself. The person who is truly meek doesn't boast in self or glory in self. The person who is truly meek doesn't put self forward for the sake of self-gain. The person who is truly meek doesn't demand for self. Now listen, one of the questions I get sometimes, is it wrong to be ambitious? No, ambition's good as long as it's not rooted in you. If it's rooted in a pure for the things that are right and and the blessing of others and, and the Lord working in your life, I think there's an element of ambition that's really exciting. But if it's all about you receiving the glory, then it's sinful. And meekness does not pursue a position or privilege or pleasures only for self-gain. Meekness doesn't go for that type of uh, goal. Meekness does not always look out for number one. And here's one, of the, here's one of the real interesting parts of meekness. The reason meekness doesn't always look out for number one is because meekness is not that all impressed with number one. 
You know you're growing in, 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 uh, in meekness when you look in the mirror and you're like, I got a lot of work to do. Like, like non-meekness looks in the mirror and says, wow, I'm smoking hot, all right? And you may not think, well, I don't think I'm that at all. But in a lot of ways, we live a life where we are saying that because people are constantly being pushed aside so we can get ahead. You must think you're pretty special because you decided you're better than everyone else. Look at your life and examine. Do those things happen? It could be as simple as stealing a drink from one of your siblings. It could be a budding in line at the grocery store because somehow your time is more important than the other person. It could be messing with someone else at work so you get a promotion instead of them. It could be telling false truths to advance yourself. It could be small. It could be big. Meekness doesn't do that. Meekness trusts in the Lord. Meekness is not looking to push someone or push myself ahead of someone else. So here's some great questions. Meekness also, because you're not looking out for number one all the time, how do you handle when people come against you? How sensitive are you regarding yourself? Here's a great question for all of us. How defensive do we get regarding self? Because meekness fights against becoming overly defensive. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones said, such insight into this. He says, to be truly meek means we no longer protect ourselves because we see there's really nothing worth defending. Do you get that? He says, we don't really protect ourselves because we look in the mirror and we're like, eh. Like in, in reality, everything I have is grace. And so therefore, why am I defending something that really isn't mine to boast in in the first place? When you see it from that point and you say, am I really gonna try to defend what probably is actually true? That's when you go, hiya, to pride, all right? That's when pride takes such a hit and humility is growing in your life. Reminds me of a time when I was golfing with a, a good friend of mine. He goes to this church and I hit a shot off the tee and it was a bad shot and I was visibly upset and frustrated. And he turned, I'll never forget it. I don't think I'll forget it. He says to me, he goes, Simons, um, you're not good enough to get mad. <laughs> you know what my flesh did? That's my flesh. But in reality, he's right. He's right. I never forgot. That was brilliant comment. As much as I was wounded in pride, it took me a few holes to get over it, you know, but, but getting to the place where saying he's right. And this relates to our life as well. How defensive we become over something which isn't even true within our lives as we put ourselves up here when in reality, we're nowhere near there. Meekness is elevating others. Meekness sees the, the glory of Jesus Christ. And when someone attacks us, we might even be in the place to say, you got a good point. But the question remains is, how are you when you're attacked? Do you get really defensive? Do you counter attack? You can't wait to get back at that person. Is this what you look like when you get defensive? Okay, spouses, no elbowing right now, all right? None of that right now. But this is, this, is, this is a reality with a whole bunch of us. When we get insulted, we snarl. How dare you do that to me? True or false? Thank you. The one honest person in the room yelling it out because <laughs> it is true. Again, you know what Martin Lloyd-Jones says? Again, this is, this is incredibly convicting. Uh, for me and probably for you too. He says, it's okay when I call myself a sinner, but instinctively, I'm not okay when someone else calls me a sinner. Hmm. 
See, I find it pretty easy at times to recognize my own sin, but it's a whole different ballgame when someone else comes up to me and starts to point out my sin. That is a test of meekness. You know how many marriages would be saved if one person in that marriage, when attacked, simply said, yeah, you're right, I am that way. But what happens? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're like this. And then bang, 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 the whole thing's done. If they would just stop for one second and in meekness say, you're right. I have sinned in that way. I have wronged you. I'm sorry. That's the power and the beauty of meekness. And that's the power and beauty of humility. See, meekness can be confronted. Meekness can be corrected. And meekness can be convicted. But if you're not meek, you respond to that, cue wolf, cue wolf, here you go. Then it's, it's this again. But in this case, the wolf loses every single time. This is why Jesus says, happy are the meek. The miserable are the proud. What do we got so far? Meekness is gentleness. Meekness is humility. But don't be mistaken. Meekness is also strength. Wow. Well, an encouraging message for sure. We pray God has done just that in your heart, encouraged you as you have found your face fixed again at the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Loved ones, if God's been stirring in your heart and you'd love to share it, reach out to maybe the Live in the Light team and maybe share a word of encouragement or even to grab a copy of today's message, make sure you visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. Or you can phone us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's all for today, listeners. Join us again next time here on Live in the Light.